begins with this gate drop. What's up, Steve, and welcome everybody to the podcast. So we had Unadilla yesterday, uh, some really interesting results. Some people may be happy or not happy, depending on who you're a fan of, but before we get into that, let's get into some plugs really quick. Thank you for tuning into the Power to the Ground podcast. Check us out on Instagram, where we share race highlights, and we record this podcast on Instagram Live every Sunday morning. Also... Visit our website, www.power2theground.com, where you can check out some merch, and don't forget to sign up for our email list for giveaways, news, and to get notified every time we upload a new podcast. All right, so the 250s, uh, we're going to start there, and, you know, it's it's difficult to say that a person who finished 2-1 and took the overall had a rough day. But yeah. Ferrandis had a rough day, and I don't know about you, but but I think the 250s are wrapped up. 250s are wrapped up. He needed a 1-1 today to keep this interesting. He did not get it. He got a net zero for the weekend, and yep, it's. I think it's pretty much wrapped up. And, and I mean, it's 2-1 sounds great, when you, but when you realize that the person who went 1-2 was the person he had to catch in the points, right? So he came into this weekend. You can't go into a weekend with three late races left in the season. He had a 20 eight point deficit had he gone one one at least would have dropped it down to 22 now that's still a sizable lead with two races but there's still a chance right right net zero like you said he entered 28 down he left 28 down and uh it's just so weird you know he had he he rided great he couldn't catch science rulo in the first moto um no matter how hard he tried like it just and i think that was it and in my notes after motor one i just wrote 250s over we hadn't even seen the second motor yet and i wrote 250s over 250s over it didn't really matter what happened in moto two uh Ferrandis didn't lose anything but he didn't gain anything and unfortunately time is on cnc rulo's side so for every moment in a race that Ferrandis does not gain something cnc rulo wins and, and that's exactly what it's like cnc rulo won unadilla yep even though he finished second on the podium, he won Unadilla because that's that's basically it. Barring, again, some kind of crazy crash, which is, again, you, I know we have to put that caveat in, but, you know, nobody's rooting for that. You know, you want to see a guy win the fairway. So if Ferrandis wins this, it's going to be at this point because Cianciarulo goes down and can't finish a race. And really, is that is that how you want to win? Is that how you want to win it? You know, and I mean, I'm sure he'll take it. But um, so that, yeah, the 250s was... You know, who I was a little bit disappointed in was uh, Justin Cooper. Yeah. Great start in the first race. Um, ends up going down. And, he, I mean, that <laughs> that turn took out a lot yep. of riders this weekend. So and you not can't... just this weekend. In the past, it's taken out a lot of riders. In the past 50 years. So, yeah, they were celebrating the 50, uh, 50th anniversary of the first professional running at Unadilla. So, um, you can't blame him too much. It's a tough turn. He's a young kid. Um, that's a, that's a lesson he's going to have to learn. But uh, I just felt like I, I wanted to see a little bit more from him this weekend. Yep. Um, he couldn't keep those guys behind him in Moto 1. And then Sexton had a great weekend, actually. You know, for, for somebody who's, you know, he'd been kind of floating around that top five and competing a little bit, for him to 
kind of stick with those guys in that second moto especially. Um, he went 3-3 on the weekend, so it was a really good weekend for him, and he, he just flat-out passed Justin Cooper in that yeah. second moto. And he was especially, like, right after he passed Cooper, there was a second there. I was like, man, Sexton's going to play spoiler in this. He's going to catch up to Cianciarulo. He's going to get around him, and then he's going to be chasing after Ferrandis, and then Cianciarulo is going to have to deal with Sexton. Um and uh, that wouldn't that would have been a bad thing for Cianci Rulo. The one thing that I know about him is as soon as he has to push beyond his comfort level, he starts making a lot of mistakes, starts riding off the track and everything. And I know we've seen that more than a couple of times this week, this uh, this year. So um, I was hoping that that would happen. It didn't. Um, Cianci Rulo he stayed right where he needed to. Um, so absolutely, Cianci Rulo won the weekend. Yeah, and you know. Like you said, he does have problems when you try to push him outside of his comfort zone. The problem now is there's really nothing that's going to get him outside of his comfort zone. If he gets past, he can just shrug it off. Right. You know, he gets past to go into third or fourth for these next two races. He can just shrug that off. It really doesn't matter anymore. So I think for him, the key is just staying calm and staying in his comfort zone. And he has no reason not to. A fit, Fifths for the rest of the way for him are, are probably fine. Yeah. You know, I mean, maybe not. <laughs> you know, if Ferrandis goes 1-1, one, one, the rest, I'd have to do out the math. You know, if Ferrandis goes 1-1, one, one, that's uh, fifth is a lot of points. Yeah. So maybe he makes that up. But for the most part, as long as he stays around the podium and doesn't push too hard, then Cianci Rulo is going to wrap it up. So And, and Cianci Rulo is really, he's not suffering from what he has in the past, which is um, just being a young kid, basically. Um, he is, he's a competitor. That's one thing that I have to say about Cianci Rulo kid is a competitor um and his team to their credit has done a very good job of reeling him in this year and playing the numbers game rather than playing the balls to the wall game so yeah i think 250s is wrapped up um uh, barring some some terrible incident or uh and nobody wants to see that so yeah i think it's wrapped up so and and that's so the other part of the 250s that was pretty interesting. So we talked about Sexton a little bit. He had a really, really good weekend. He started to show some stuff. So between him and Justin Cooper moving forward, you know, as Cianci Rulo goes up to the 450s starting the Supercross season, uh, they're not going to have to deal with him. I think you're going to have a really interesting 250 class moving forward for the, at least the next two or three years. Oh, big time. And it's more that's than just, two or three years. That's just talking about Sexton and Justin Cooper. The last thing we wanted to get to about yesterday's race was a guy. So you actually pointed him out to me. We all know we all were kind of rooting for Hunter Lawrence. He started doing really well. Yeah. Uh, he started really showing some stuff before he, his injury. But his younger brother, who just turned 16, it was a Wednesday. So he was, as of Wednesday, legally able to ride in a pro race. So this was his first weekend in the pro races. Yeah. He had a little bit of a rough first moto because he went down. And I think he kind of just started to have some fun after that. But, man, did he show us something. He Jet us Lawrence something. is his name. 16-year-old kid in his first ever ride of Man in Moto2. Just turned 16, like Steve said. Um, he he had all of his paperwork. So if you don't know, you have to be 16 to ride in these pro races. He had all of his paperwork signed and ready to go to submit to the AMA so that he could race in these, in, in these races at Unadilla. So he had them already pre-signed and everything like that so that he could just go ahead and submit them and get into this Unadilla race. And he delivered. I got to say, if if somebody's not interested in that kid, 16 and 
three days old, 16 and three yeah. days old, and he took an, an eighth. So what's even more impressive Ooh. about the eighth, though, so first of all, you said he's been dominating Loretta Lynn, right? The, the big amateur that yeah. like like nobody else has come close. And this is the pool of riders that you pick your pros from, and he's dominating there. So there was a lot of hype surrounding the kid. They mentioned him on the broadcast, which is kind of kind of rare it's other rare. than like a quick mention, but they went back and showed him for a while. And, dude, he looks smooth. This kid was riding like he just – he had not a care in the world. He was just – just attacking and this is not an easy track to ride i mean this is a rough track that takes out a lot of riders and for his first pro race ever to be unadilla not only that dude he this kid's been riding a 125 in loretta lynn he's not even riding a 250 so he's jumped on a brand new bike first time at this track first time riding against pro racers it's unadilla and what's really so he was 15th at the end of the first lap yeah and he finished eighth he passed Hampshire. Um, he passed some of the other March guys. Banks. March Banks. Actually, he fought with March Banks for yep. a little bit, and he took. He, he caught Alex Martin at the very end of the race, and, Alex, and passed him. And Alex Martin is a guy we were talking about competing for wins. Yep. At at a point in the season, so uh, I, I, you know, I've talked about Justin Cooper being a kid I wanted to watch moving forward, and he still is, and so is Sexton. But I cannot wait to see what. Jet Lawrence looks right. like I when mean, he starts getting some like let's look at let's just look at this field going forward just for the 250s we've got uh, so we get rid of Sansarulo thank god I can't <laughs> wait to see him go um, I mean he's not going anyway he's know, going he's up just going <laughs> up um, so we've got Austin Forkner coming back we've got Justin Cooper we've got um, Sexton we've got both of the Lawrence brothers because. Um, Hunter will be back. Hunter will be back. Um, the um, the Martin Mo- brothers. The Martin brothers. Moseman. Moseman's looked fast for the past couple of weeks. I know he actually he went down twice this weekend. Hopefully, but. Hampshire can start to put some consistency together too, because he's he's a guy that like when he's up there, he's fast. Yeah. I think Hampshire is another one of those guys. He's he's uh, him along with uh, um. Savachi, who is up in the 450s, but Hampshire is going to be probably looking for another ride, um, and uh, I think he's probably he's probably going to find another ride before he starts competing. Uh, I don't feel like he is comfortable where he is; it just doesn't look that way. Um, so I think it's going to take a, another brand or another team picking him up before he starts competing with it. But yeah, absolutely. There's a, there's another guy. Oldenburg had a had a crappy weekend. Um, and that's another guy that he, you know, he he throws it in there every once, especially in Supercross. Oldenburg competes in Supercross. Um, so there's this is an extremely deep 250 class, extremely. and it's it's weird to see that at like the 250 level because normally yeah. when you have that much talent, those guys are going up to 450s as soon as possible mm-hmm. to try to compete up there. But to have this. And they're all so young. Sexton, Justin Cooper, now both Lawrence brothers. Like they're all so young that we could be seeing some really good competition in this class. And then obviously, as they move forward in their careers, we could have. I mean, we already talk about how deep our 450 class is right now. Give it three, four years, yeah. And we're gonna have a 450 class where tenth is a faster rider than you know. It like 
10 riders deep that could at any race take you know take overall it, right it's going to be really really fun to watch basically the future of the sport is looking great as it's far as talent goes looking fantastic and these 450 riders that are riding right now man a lot of them have to step their game up because they've got some serious serious competitors if jet lawrence turns right out to be as naturally talented as it seems like it's not going to take him long to be up there and pushing guys like Muskan and roxon and even tomac to say hey I'm here now. You better you better figure some stuff out because yeah, exactly. especially guys like Moosekin who just can't seem to. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to him. Um, so the 250 uh, standings as they are right now, like we said, we we wrapped them up, but um, or we think Cianci Rulo wrapped it up. So we've got Cianci Rulo in number one. He's at 441, and we've got Ferrandis um, doing whatever he can at 413, and then Cooper uh, at a pretty distant third and 382. Yeah. So again, that's with 28 points going into the weekend, 28 coming out of the weekend, and that's just not going to do it. Nope. So, um, as far as so, let's take a look. Last week we did our little bit of uh, some of our pre- predictions <laughs> for the 250 class, and uh, I'm not going to lie, uh, we both got fairly close because we had we actually had predicted the exact same result. So we both had Ferrandis overall, Cooper in second, Sanzarulu in third. So we swapped ours two and three. No, uh, no? Sexton had third. Overall. Sexton took third. Yeah. Overall? Oh, okay. Uh, so Sexton went three three, and Cooper went four four. Ah. So um, we had a, we had an overall right, and we both knew that Santorulo was going to be on the podium. Absolutely. Yep. But uh, Sexton kind of surprised both of us, I think, this weekend. And, absolutely. And kind of knocked Justin Cooper off of that because it's been basically those three one two three in some order: Ferrandez, Santorulo, and Cooper. And uh, Sexton kind of came in and threw a wrench in things, which I thought was really interesting and made for some good racing. So. Yeah, it was just a matter of time until he started coming in here. Uh, Sexton is somebody who Cooper has been competing with since they they were, like, really, really young. So it was just a matter of time until he caught a rhythm and, and he starts getting up there and competing with the rest of them, too. So, Absolutely. So you want to take a look at next week? Next week we got Bud's Creek. Um, there's only two races left. Yep. Um, I don't think so. I'll start, I usually make you start, but tell you what, I'll even start. Okay. Um, I don't think Cianci Rulo is going to push for these next two races. I don't think he has to push. I think he just knows he's got to finish somewhere in the top five. So I'm actually not even going to put Cianci Rulo on my podium okay. this week, which might be a mistake, but we'll see. Um, so for next week, I'm going to go for Randis because I think for him it's do or die, right? No matter what Cianci Rulo does, he still has to finish 1-1 one, one, yep. or at least damn close to it. So I'm going to go for Randis 1. Uh, I think Sexton showed me something. So I'm actually going to put him two. And Cooper, I'm going to put third because I think Cianciarulo probably finishes like 3-4, 2-3, something like that. And then maybe one of these other guys grabs a win and grabs a podium spot from him. Because I don't – I just – if he knows if he pushes, it's close enough to where if he goes down, suddenly you have a championship going into the last race. And I don't think he wants to do that. I think he wants to make sure he just nabs a couple of points – if Ferrandez chips into a little bit, he's still fine going into the final race of the season. So uh, Ferrandez, Sexton, Cooper are my three. I also want to make another quick prediction. Uh, I'm going to say that Jet Lawrence finishes somewhere in the top five, at least one of these motos next week. Okay. He showed – if he pulled off an eighth in his second moto ever, and he went down the first one, so who knows where he would have finished. Right. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and – I'm going to make a little note here that I think Lawrence top fives, and at least one of the motos, if not overalls. Now I'm pretty sure I actually haven't done any reading on this. I'm I'm pretty sure Lawrence is going to finish out the year with the pros, 
um, but I don't know that for certain. Okay, um, so that was obviously pending, pending, yeah. uh, you know, him him continuing to race. But yeah. I don't see the way he just raced. I don't see why somebody doesn't say, "Dude, please jump on finish a ride. the season, Let's jump on this. a ride," because yeah. he's gonna get he's gonna get a team very very soon. Yeah, and a very very excited team too. Yeah, yeah. So what do you got for your two fifties? I'm going Ferrandis number one. Um, I can see where you're coming from with Rulo. However, like I said. He's still a kid, and he is still a dominant competitor. I'm putting him at number two, and I think you're right. I think Sexton's going to edge Cooper off. I saw something in Sexton, and I saw something that Cooper did not have this past weekend, and that was um, somebody just nipping at his heels. Yeah. As soon as somebody started nipping at his heels, he's, he looked like he got uh, like flustered. And started losing. I think he's. Bit. I think his confidence is starting to take a little bit of a hit because he wasn't doing that at the beginning of the season. Yeah, he kind of fell off at the end of races and then you know in, in Moto Twos, but it was never to the like he was still podiuming. And I think what what he kind of lost was you know a little bit of confidence because now as he's starting to watch, you know, Ferrandis came in, took second place from him in the overall standings, and now Ferrandis is competing. He probably got some team orders said, "Hey, keep Sanchez behind you if you can." Um, don't screw up Ferrandis because he's competing. And he's like, wait a second. I was just competing for the same championship. So there's probably a little bit of a, a mental thing going on with him right now. And I think Sexton um, is using that to his advantage to gain some of that confidence. So I, I can definitely see where you're going there. Yep. So that's my predictions. That's where that's where I'm sticking with. Well, so basically you predicted that next week the results will be exactly the same as this week. Exactly. Because that's how, it, that's how they finish. Yep. So, um no surprises here. No surprises there. You know, I like trying to shake it up a little bit because then if I'm right, it looks like I'm a genius. That's what it comes down to. If you're right, you just, you know, you took the easy route because hey, you just picked the same thing. So We all, we all have a strategy. <laughs> so that's going to wrap it up for the 250s. We're going to take a quick sponsor break, and then uh, when we come back, we're going to start talking about the 450s. All right, and we're back. So talking about the 450s, um, a little bit of an interesting 450 race is not quite what I was expecting because, you know, we were basically talking about, you know, let's not talk about that one guy. But yep. he actually did something this weekend that warranted talking about. And then there's was the other guy. I'm going to say this right now and then I'll let you go. Roxon looked like the old prime Ken Roxon for the first time since his injury yesterday. Agreed. That guy, first of all, the lap times, Moto 1 and Moto 2, he was running two, his fastest laps were running two full seconds faster than anybody else who was on that track. He was by far the fastest person out there. He was getting out front. He caught wind in his sails, and he was just gone. Um, everybody else was pretty much playing catch-up. Um, the first Moto, like you said, uh, the biggest thing, this is, this is at this point, the only time that it's worth talking about Tomac is when he doesn't take number one. So you said it, I said it. The second Tomac whole shotted Moto one, and both of us went, oh, this is over. here we go. It's over, right? It's over. Tomac doesn't get passed. He doesn't. Unless he goes down, he doesn't get passed. He finished seventh in the first Moto. Six people passed him. He didn't go down, it wasn't a crash. He just got passed by six riders. Yeah. And we kind of had a discussion about what, what the hell is going on because it didn't look like he was hurt. He was still riding at an okay enough pace. Um, there was no fight. There was no raciness to his look. He didn't 
he didn't have any kind of fire to him. It was very untomac like and we kind of said, are these, is this kind of just discussed by the team that said, hey, we, we're so far ahead that it really doesn't matter. Yeah, just finish. Just finish. Yep. Um, I think uh, it may have gone that way for Moto1. Uh, for Moto Two, he was definitely pushing at the very at the very end of Moto Two. If you were paying attention to the uh, the time differences, with two laps to go, there was an 18 second difference between him and Muscan, and uh, with they finished six dif- uh, six second difference. So he made up 12 seconds on Muscan in a single lap. Uh, so he was pushing at the end um, in Moto One. Yeah, they, it was. They were like, "Hey, just go out there, uh, just keep it upright. Uh, doesn't matter who passes you, really. Just and that, and that might be that might be a strategy um, going forward. You know, take a podium on one on one race and the other one take it easy. I wonder if I wonder if a part of it is you know he's already starting to look forward to training for Supercross. He's already talked about not doing motocross in Asians. Um, he turned down that. Uh, you said he turned had turned that down. So I think he's really he knows his only chance to be talked about in the top two, three, four, five riders all time is to win a Supercross championship. He doesn't care as much about these outdoors. So I'm wondering if his mind. We were joking, like his mind had to be wandering while he was racing that first. It just looked <laughs> like he just wasn't there physically, his ment or mentally not there. He got past and it was like, okay. Yeah. And he just kind of kept going. So I wonder – I don't think the team meant for him to take a seventh. He just gave up 16 points to Roxon this weekend. Right. That's – you do that again for two more races, and suddenly now you have to actually compete in the last race. Like, that's, that gap was predicated on you still competing for podiums. So seventh was probably not what they had in mind when they said, hey, don't push too hard, take it easy. So I think just more, it was more so him taking that t- too far. You know, him saying, uh, well, I don't have to really push. Let these guys go beat up each other, and I'll just kind of hang back a little bit. But he took it too far. His mind wasn't there, and I'm wondering if he's just starting to focus too much on the future a little bit, which could be dangerous for him. Obviously, in the second race, I'm wondering I, – I, the way he went 7-3. Yep. For me, that says – Going into the first race, they said, hey, take it easy. Don't go too nuts. You know, we got this thing wrapped up. He said, okay, and took it too far. And in between races, he said, not that easy. (laughs) Not that easy. Come on, dude. Like, you still have to do a little bit of Eli Tomac stuff. Just don't push too hard, you know. And so he he ended up having a, you know, much better showing in the second order. But it's still all week, um, all weekend, he didn't look like Eli Tomac. Like, he just mentally did not show up this whole weekend. Right. Yeah, I I can see where you're coming from. I do think that there. I think this is a strategy. I um, even if he does give up those uh, one race a weekend, there's still there's still a forty uh, forty point difference between him and Muskin. I think he's got to worry about Roxon, which is a forty one point difference. He's got to worry about Roxon more than he has to worry about Muskin at this point, um, just because Roxon's the more confident rider. Um, but I, I do think that this is a strategy. There, like, like you said, there's two weekends left. If he podiums one moto per weekend and takes a top 10 on the other two, he's still got this wrapped up. No, it definitely makes sense. I just feel like Tomac's typically the kind of person that you would just... 
he could have a 78-point lead in the standings right. and still be, like, pushing himself to take those wins. You know, that's just – that's it's in his nature. Yeah. He's a competitive guy that does that. You 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 may have had a point there. He may have his, his, his mind on the future. You know, this is – at this point, whether he wins a Supercross championship or not basically dictates – his entire career. If he if he doesn't win a Supercross championship, then he's just an outdoor guy. He can't be put in the in the category as the greatest racers of all time. If he does win at least one Supercross title, you can't not put him in that category. Yeah, and that's and the, and when we talk about the greatest of all times, you know that whole list is full of people who have won multiple Supercross championships. Right. You just that's, that's a part of the that is the conversation. It is a more popular um, than the outdoors, so it tends to weigh a little bit more for a lot of people. Um, so he can win six outdoors in a row. If he doesn't win a Supercross, nobody's going to put him in that conversation. The best have done both. I mean, so McGrath is Mister Supercross. He actually, I'm pretty sure, has more Supercross championships than Ricky Carmichael. But he's not better overall than right. Ricky Carmichael because he didn't win or even compete really outdoors. Like that just – you have to do both. Right. James Stewart, Ryan Villapoto, uh, Ryan Villapoto, Ryan Dungey, obviously the GOAT Ricky Carmichael. These guys did both. So I feel like that's where his head is at. You're right, to bring yeah. it back. Like I just think he says, this is my chance. I need to compete this out this Supercross season. I need to win this championship. My legacy is going to be dependent on it. Uh, for the first time, let's shift gears here. For the first time in a long time, I heard no excuses from Roxon. It so, yeah, seems like him. It seems like he's healthy. It seems like for the first time he didn't have a cold. He didn't have a hangnail. He wasn't fatigued. He wasn't fatigued. Um, and he looked in true form. You know, th- this is something that we've been seeing from him all year long. In the first couple of laps, guy is fast 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 and we saw that from him today but the difference was he kept that pace through both motos all the way to the end all the way and you know we mentioned the broadcast a little bit he did say that he practiced a little bit less throughout the week because of the fatigue that he was dealing with look it might have been a legit thing but at this point how do you know with him right but if that's the case if he's dealing with fatigue and they say listen we're gonna not push it so much in practice and give him more time to rest. Look, if that's what works for you, clearly it worked for him this weekend because, man, he looked like had he been anywhere close to that this season, we would have this would be a this really would be a really yeah. really tight tight championship. And you know what? In the grand scheme of things, it's forty point difference. Um, it ended up being a lot closer than I thought it was going to be, but we do get some satisfaction out of this. There is a one point difference between second and third right now and muskan has lost steam like crazy so that's a here's the thing and i'm really glad you said that because that was going to be my next point we know we covered tomac and roxon we covered tomac and roxon you know who we're not talking about the guy who went 2-2 this weekend yep he had a fine weekend he had a he did good. He podiumed. He came in second, you know, and he led a little bit in the second moto. You know why we're not talking about him? Because he didn't do what he needed to do. Exactly. He didn't. He just, Marvin Muskin just continues to be blah. Blah. 
He doesn't. There's no edge. There's no aggressiveness. He got passed. I mean, he fought back a little bit when uh, when he got passed. Yeah. You know, we were like, oh, look at that, a little bit of aggressive. And then he just kind of missed. Yeah. And then he just let it go. And we, I've said it. I think maybe three weeks in a row now, this guy really needs to find another gear. He needs to, not even another gear. He's a fast rider. He's one of the fastest riders on the planet. He needs to find something within himself that pushes him to be a competitor. Yeah. Because when when a 2-2, when Eli Tomac is having the, the, the kind of weekend that he just had and you're not winning and maximizing that, that's on you. Right. That is on you. You cannot afford to let Ken Roxon get away, who's behind you in the points. Tomac is back in seventh, bud. You need to win. You know how much of a difference? So he went 2-2. If he had gone, if Muskan had gone 1-1, he gains six more points than what he already did. Now it's down to a 34-point yep. lead for, for Muskan, as opposed to a 40 and a 41 for him and, and Roxon. Like, that is a massive swing with two races left. You're still out there fighting. Tomac didn't look like himself. What if he was hurt, injured something, and that's a sign of how he's going to finish the rest of this? You don't know. And he didn't. He just couldn't pull the trigger. Yeah. And it was it. Uh, it was Moto One. He was stuck behind Osborne. I think it was when they were coming up the wall. And it was some. I I said it. I was. And they were saying, uh, you know, he needs to make this pass quickly. And I said it right in that moment. I was. He Muskin does a lot of things well. Making a quick pass is not one of those things. Uh, he he usually he takes his time. He picks his spot, um, which is fine when you're not racing for a championship at this point. Uh, he there was a lot of spots in in these races where he had to make a quick pass, and he just he doesn't. It was it's this is basically becoming the same conversation that we were having about Dungey. Um, just a few years ago where um, he and Tomac were competing and it looked like Dungey in order to win the championship. Now, in retrospect, Dungey didn't need to change anything, but it, it looked for a little while like Dungey needed to get more aggressive in order to compete. Um, and and that was the big thing that everybody was talking about Dungey. He, he just didn't have an aggressive bone in his body. And... I never saw Muskan as one of these people, especially in the in the 250s. It looks like he he had all the aggression that he could ever need. Um, but as soon as he moved up to the 450s, I don't know what it was. This guy just he fell in line. He just fell in line. I think that might have been a part of it too. So he was he was Dungey's teammate for those last couple of years, and you know I wonder if Dungey's passiveness kind of rubbed off on him a little bit. I mean, obviously they worked out, you know, they had to, you know, work together on a regular basis. So, um, you know, maybe that was it. Maybe everyone talked about, oh, you know, your strength is your your technicality, how technical a rider you are. So focus on that, not so much on speed and aggression. But if his strength is his technicality, then he should probably work on getting faster and more aggressive to complement that. You know, right. this is one of those situations where just focusing on your strength might not be enough. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and what the biggest difference, you know, the comparison you talked about passing, right? In the first moto, Roxon was behind Savachi and Osborne. And in two corners, two consecutive corners, he made a pass on both one on each. So he passed Savachi and then right into the next corner made a pass. And that was it. He was gone. Boom. See you later. Right. And he eventually, you know, like a two or three corners later, caught up to Tomac. Everybody caught him. I get it. And then made the pass. And then eventually caught. It was just, he was gone. Yep. So Muskin, on the other hand, 
was behind those same riders and took what two three laps to make the pass and that's, that's the difference yeah. now by the time you know by the time you get to a position where you can compete for a, you know he gets he gets up to second in the first moto it's too late Roxon's gone you know it was the opposite in the second obviously he started off in first and Roxon just made the pass nobody was passing him nobody was touching him but it was just very it's always so disappointing to see that Muskin just doesn't have that fight yeah um along with that you know Stepping away from the leaders for a second, there was a couple of riders, um, three in particular, two that didn't show up, one that did show up in the 450s. Uh, I want to start with the one that did show up, and that was Justin Barsha, hometown man. Um, he Boy, did he look good yesterday. He looked good. He looked good. <laughs> Um, and he's been saying it for the past couple of weeks. You know, He's starting, he's starting to get back into true form, and... Uh, he looked at yesterday, especially in Moto One, Moto Two. He went down, and he was playing a little bit, a little bit of catch up. And him and Dean Wilson were going back and forth. But uh, before he went down in Moto Two, he was heading straight to the front. He he was the only guy I think in that in that second Moto that had the, the speed to to kind of maybe keep up with Rocks and right. if he could have caught him. And he was he was well on his way to catching him before he went yep. down. He was I think he made his way up to third um, when he went down. In the same spot, I think Cooper went down in that same turn. It was around that. I don't think it was the same spot, but it was close to it. It, it was, was around close, that same it was area. Within a couple hundred those, those yards. Real technical, of it. technical turns on, yeah. the, on that track. And he went down. He was. He had just made his way from fourth into third. And he went down, and then he just ended up backwards. He almost ran into somebody trying to get get forward in true Bam Bam fashion. Um, but he looked good. And the other two riders that I wanted to talk to talk about that did not show up is Cooper Webb and Jason Anderson. Um, these two are for the, the last two Supercross champions. The last two, one. Right, the last two Supercross champions. And um, not only that, but they're the other two for who for the past, um, well, for the Cooper Webb toward, more towards the front of the season and then Anderson more towards the, the latter end of the season have been competing to get into this top group of guys and uh neither one of them showed up today i think moto two they finished seventh and eighth did Co- I, there was one race where i think cooper crashed out it was the first one yeah i think it was the first i think it was yeah. the first moto cooper didn't even finish yeah so he might have crashed out maybe that has something to do with his his showing in the second moto so i i'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt because of you know he he just has the ability he's shown you know a little bit he was starting to get into a groove for a couple of races there so maybe he crashed out in the first race and he was had a problem with the bike or some kind of injury he was just sore and was like you know what guys it's not worth it let's right. <laughs> you know let's back it's a out tough of this track. One. yeah so um but you're right jason anderson like every time you feel like he's running back into form he takes a step back and he this weekend was definitely a step back for him so which is unfortunate because I think he's one of those guys that has the ability to compete with Tomac. In fact, he beat him in Supercross two years ago. Cooper Webb beat him in Supercross last year. So yep. I really hope that, I mean, Roxon looks like he's rounding into form just in time to get ready for the Supercross season. So he's going to compete for the championship. Yep. I feel like he's going to be back where he was before the big injuries, which is basically a front runner. Right. Um, obviously, Tomac. Hopefully, Webb can just take some time and relax Get his get his head wrapped back, and same with Anderson. I want those two guys. I don't care how you do these last few weeks. Get ready for Supercross, right? Because for for, for those two, if they can get back to their 
the way they were riding when they both won their championships, and you have Roxanne getting to that level, Tomac is going to be fired up to finally win one. And then you start throwing in these other, you know, maybe Moosekin steps up and, you know, competes. I doubt it, but I don't know. But that's at least four riders that I would be okay with somebody picking to win the Supercross this championship this year if Anderson and Webb can get back to where they were. Yeah, um, and that it's actually a really good point they're getting ready for supercross to compete in supercross um the motocross of nations team was just announced and anderson is on the team as opposed to tomac i know there was a lot of talk even just a few months ago that tomac would be on that team and he did not end up taking that spot and i find that incredibly interesting because that gives him, by not taking that spot, gives him a lot of time to focus on Supercross looking forward. And that gives Anderson less time to focus on Supercross moving forward. Maybe that's that's kind of the thing, though. So for some of these guys, when you're coming off of an injury, being on the bike as much as possible is how you get ready, right? Anderson getting this feel back, getting his confidence back. Um, as opposed to Tomac, who has, doesn't have to worry about feel and confidence. He's clearly got it. Right. He needs some rest. So I think there's a kind of a... I think it might be good for both of them. They might both be making this, the right decision. I right. agree. Yeah. That, absolutely. Because Anderson's, Anderson's not quite where he wants to be yet. And you're right. Uh, putting some more competitive racing under his belt isn't going to hurt unless put he in hurts laps, himself. But in competitive laps. Because, yeah, yeah but you can't, you know, it can't, in you, any sport, you can't yeah. go into something wondering what if I get hurt. Right. You have to go into it going, I'm going to win, I'm going to push myself, I'm going to get better. Injuries are going to happen. It's unfortunate. It's a luck of the draw kind of thing. So, I, yeah, I, I want to see him on the bike more. I'm okay with Tomac being on the bike less because I think that's, probably mentally what he needs right now well you convinced me i think they both made, made the right decision <laughs> yeah. so let's talk about let's wrap up the 450s here um so last week uh you had tomac won roxon at number two and moosekin at number three so you actually nailed the podium uh you just if you move tomac to third it you would have had it exactly because you know roxon moosekin finished two uh one two so uh, good kudos on you for for solid predictions all around last week. Actually, um, maybe maybe you're right. Maybe going the easy route is the way to go because <laughs> not only did I screw up my 250s last week, um, not so much. We had the same 250s, but uh, I had web number two, so I could not have been more wrong there. Um, Tomac one and Moosekin three, so. You know, you replace Webb with Roxon, and I, I was all right. You know, we have, in fact, we, yeah, it was the same, would have been the same thing. So, a yeah. um, little bit of a rough showing for me, considering Webb just didn't Did show play. up. And uh, I just hadn't had the faith in Roxon yet. He might have changed my mind to the point where, going into next week's predictions, I'm putting Roxon number one. All right. There is, there is a prediction for sure. And uh, I think that at this point, um, I don't think Tomac has two bad weeks in a row. And in fact, there was one, the last thing I wanted before I finish these predictions and the reason I'm going to pick Tomac number two, he showed yesterday why he's the champion because he got passed by six dudes after hole shotting in, in the first spot. It'd be easy for anybody to check out at that point, but he didn't, he came back and podiumed in the second, uh, the second moto. He actually finished fourth overall. So for me, that's Ricky Carmichael said it. Everybody talks about it. They talked about it on the broadcast. You don't win your championships on your good days. You win your championships on your bad days. Tomac had a bad day yesterday and finished fourth. 
<laughs> That's why right. he's the champion right now, you know. So uh, I'm going to go Tomac number two. I don't think he has two bad weeks in a row. In fact, I'm excited to see a fully healthy and on his game Roxon with a fully healthy and on his game Tomac. And I feel like we might get some really, really good racing next week if they both get good starts. Okay. And um, I'm going to take the easy route here and just put Moose in number three because he's just always there. He's around. Nobody's going to notice it <laughs> until you look at the standings and then, oh, by the way, Muskin finished third. Yep. So, um, I'm going to go a completely different route. I think uh, the Monster Energy Kawasaki team knows exactly what the numbers are, and I think they're probably giving him an aiming point right now. And they're saying, you need to finish in this spot in this race, in this spot in this race, in this spot in this race, in this spot in this race. And I don't think any one of those – our number one or number two spot. So I'm not even going to put Tomac on the podium this week. I'm going to put Roxon at number one. I'm going to put... This looks too good right now. Yeah. He really does. I'm going to put Muskan at number two. And I'm going to put Bam Bam at number three. Oh, he's pulling out. You know, I think that is your uh, a little bit of your Bam Bam fanhood bias coming through. Yep. He Fan did look here. really, really good yesterday, but it was a hometown. It was a hometown track. Yep. Um, yeah, he was feeling good, but then he kind of went down. So his confidence is probably going to be hurt a little bit next, going into next week. We'll I think Bam Bam probably finishes top five. I, I get it. He looked really good yesterday. So maybe that you know spurs him into like a top five next week. But I don't know if I'd put him up in the podium. And here's the other thing I'm going to disagree with you on. Because I think while Tomac definitely has the team telling him not to overextend himself, Tomac doesn't have to overextend himself to win races. And I think the competitor competitor in him is going to be really pissed off that he just went 7-3. I think the competitor in Tomac is going to push him at least to a podium, probably in both of these motos, because that's who he is, I get even it. when it doesn't matter. So I'm wondering, I think what we're talking about here is really, do does the team orders override Tomac's inherent instinct to just compete? And right. we're going to see what decision he makes next week. Yeah, uh, it'll be interesting to see. Um just from from the way it looked, because as soon as he he was backpedaling all the way to seventh, and then he stopped backpedaling, and I think that is too strange to overlook, because I I honestly I wouldn't be surprised if his team orders were Moto One go seventh, Moto Two go third, and if that's the case, then you, the weekend was a success but for him. Don't no, but don't you think that Tomac on a bad day is still worth a seventh maybe he backpedaled because that's the speed he was going and when he got the seventh the reason he stopped backpedaling is because tomac on a rough day is still faster than every rider from eighth on maybe those riders are too far back maybe those riders just weren't fast enough to keep up with him even on a bad tomac day um I can't see any team telling their championship level rider who is considered one of the fastest riders ever to go seven I can't see that. I I can't as a, as somebody who is really fond of com, you know the compete compete level of these athletes. I can't see Tomac going along with that. I can't see it. I don't think that it's in his nature to just voluntarily finish outside of the top five. Right. Um, even top five is probably for him. It's rough. So yeah, he went backwards. Maybe he's not feeling it. Maybe he's sick. Maybe he's. I'm not trying to make excuses for him like the Roxon deal, but maybe it is team orders. But on a bad day for Tomac, maybe maybe seventh is where he just finished. Maybe yeah. you know I don't think he just said, "Oh, up seventh, let me speed back up again." I think it was just he rode his speed that whole moto. 
and that was just where he finished. Yeah, I just at this point in the season, as fast as he's been riding, as confident as he's been riding, um, as much flow as he has going through the past few weeks, uh, even Tomac on a bad day, there are 38 riders out there that f- cannot ride his pace, even on a bad day. So, yeah, it, sure, but we've also talked about the you know, other thing we didn't ta- say was he traditionally, as far as we know, hasn't done well at Unadilla. Yeah. So if you combine bad day with bad track, maybe that's what that equals. Yeah, you know. So point. I just think there's more ways to look at it because for me personally, there's no way I'm gonna I'm willing to believe that Tomac voluntarily finishes right. in the seventh place. I just can't. And if he did, and if that is the case, then he maybe he isn't quite the competitor I thought he was. Yeah. Yeah, and then, you know, if you want to get into conspiracy theories, maybe the AMA was thinking, you know what, this isn't uh, this isn't good for our fanship right now. Uh, hey, Tomac, you got you to gotta make it a little more interesting here. I mean, that's, listen, when you start talking about corruption in organizations, we can go very, very deep down that rabbit hole. But at least for the next two weeks, we got some really good competition for second place. There was a point separating Roxanne and Muskin, and you know what, I think they both probably want it. I think Roxanne takes it. I think Roxanne finishes second overall in the points because I just don't have the faith in Muskan to fight back. So we're going to see where that goes. Yep, absolutely. The 250s are going to continue to be interesting. There's going to be a yo-yo going back and forth between Ferrandis and Ciancia Rulo going all the way to the end. One, two back and forth is just how they've been That's going. how they've been going. And, uh, yeah, there's some really, really interesting riding, even though the, the championships, I think, on both classes are wrapped up. There's still some interesting riding to watch here going out, uh, going towards the end of the season, and then uh, riding straight on into uh, Supercross a few months after that. And I think a a lot of these riders are just going ahead and and getting ready for that. Yeah, it's going to be, you know, fun last two weeks and obviously moving ahead to Supercross. I cannot wait for this coming season. See, Ansarulo is going to be up on 450s. But we'll get there at the end of the season. We got Bud's Creek next week. And uh, are, are we still live recording next week? We are live recording. We are live recording next our podcast next week from uh, Burville, Rhode Island. And we are going to be at a Pilgrim Sands Trail Rider um, uh, race. So if any of you out there are either Netra members or if you are Pilgrim Sands members, uh, we will be out there. Feel free. We'll have a table. We'll be out there. We'll have some stuff with us. Give us a shout. Give us a shout. Come over, say hi. Get on camera. We're probably going to be broadcasting live on Instagram for the majority of the time that we're there, including uh, recording the podcast. And it's going to be a great time. So if you guys are around, we'll see you out there. There's just going to be something uh, exciting about you know doing the same podcast, but doing it from with the sound of actual bikes in the background, you know, and just kind of in that outdoor environment. So I'm excited about that. Um, Not something, you know, we're going to get to do very often. So next week, live from the race, Bud's Creek. I think that does it for the podcast today, Bud. Uh, You got any last, last words? I don't. We'll see you guys next week. Guys, we'll see you at Bud's Creek. Thanks for joining the Pile of the Ground podcast. We'll see you after Bud's Creek.